This is exactly right. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, honey. And June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens. And don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the Detective Club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out. You never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, boo. Welcome to the podcast today. We have got Amy Bruni on the show. And oh my God, we had so much to talk about. If you don't know who Amy Bruni is, she hosts the show Kindred Spirits alongside Adam Berry and, you know, Chip Coffee, the legendary psychic medium, is also on that show. And it just started a new season. Go check it out. I really enjoy it. And I think that Amy is just like one of the coolest people, so pleasant to talk to, super down to earth, and like totally one of the leading paranormal investigators in the world today and um so obviously we had tons to talk about usually you know i've only had okay i've had a lot of like you know paranormal tv host people on the show the only one i've had on twice is katrina weidman from portals to hell who i love and i think i definitely know that the first time i had her on i did not do evps with her 
um, Dalen Spratt from Ghost Brothers. I did not do EVPs with Jack Osborne. I did not do EVPs with. And so <laughs> keeping with that, I did not do EVPs with Amy either. Just because like when I first meet these people, I have so many questions. And also she has this great book that came out late last year. It's called Life with the Afterlife, colon, 13 Truths I Learned About Ghosts. And I love that book. And there's just so much juicy stuff in there about ghosts. There's great stories, great theories. She introduced me to a lot of different things that I hadn't quite considered before. And so we talk about a lot of that on today's show. She definitely will share some stories that are also in the book. And, um, you know, if you haven't read it yet, you can also always go to Patreon. I always have a bonus clip. And this week we talk about some stuff that she talks about in the book. Uh, we talk about a, an encounter with a cryptid creature in her hometown of Petaluma or you know where she was living growing up there was this cryptid creature that she actually encountered and we talk about an experience she had with UFOs possibly while on the Queen Mary of Long Beach California with Andrea Perrin who you may know as one of the daughters of the family that lived in the quote conjuring house so um we had, you know, it's kind of a, a lot to take in. We we cover a lot of things. So I put that on Patreon and we're going to talk about tons of stuff today on today's show. And um, yeah, so uh, also if you go to Patreon, patreon.com slash this week I have got, I tried something new. I got some requests to do arts and craft videos, so I thought I would try one. I did um, a little video tutorial of how I'm making this jacket that's covered with yarn pom-poms they're kind of like they're like the size of like a softball and it's taken me a lot of work but it's something that's like easy and you could like make other things with these pom-poms it's super simple um but I thought it'd be fun just to like you know share something different so I put that on Patreon and um you know another thing I wanted to tell you guys about this app stereo uh again I started doing it last week and it is, I'm, I'm being so genuine when I tell you it is so fun. If you like podcasting, you will really like it. And basically, you know, and I get it anytime there's like a new streaming platform or, um, you know, social media, it's, it's a little bit of all of that. Um, basically what it is, is people, go live and they do shows and listeners can send in voice notes. And, um, you know, when I do the show, I've been doing a couple of different little things, but I've definitely been doing a show where I talk about ghosts and people send me their ghost stories and we listen to them and we talk about them on the air. So, you know, if you like me, if you, you can go on and you'll see like my schedule on there or when I'm going to be doing different little shows with my friends and, um, you can listen in and you can send me a ghost story or you can just say like, Oh, Hey Roz or whatever. We can, we can chat. We can, any of that stuff. It's just like, it's basically like a super laid back podcast that you can also in real time, since it's all live, you can become a part of. It's like, it feels like old radio, like when like taking callers, that kind of a thing. 
So um, I've been doing it with my best friend, Sam Pancake, and my producer, Lands. And yeah, again, I'm talking about things that aren't ghosts, um, especially with my friend, Sam. But then like with my friend, Land, or my friend, Johnny, like we're talking about ghosts as well. And um, I really like it. So um, check it out. It's probably the closest thing to a live show that I'll be doing um, in terms of ghosted anytime soon. So, um, yeah, I've just been really, really enjoying it. And, um, yeah, let's talk to Amy Bruni. And um, I hope you enjoy it. On with the show. Oh my God, you guys, I am joined by Amy Bruni. Hello, how are you? Hi, I'm good, I'm good. It's so nice to chat with you finally. I know, well, and I've been reading your book and I just feel like um, I've gotten such a great, uh, even a better understanding of who you are and your uh, your viewpoint on the paranormal and so now I'm just like it's been it's been Amy Bruni town over here like I've been watching so much of the show reading the book I'm thrilled so thank you for doing this oh well I, thank you for all the support oh my god of course I um I, as I was reading it I was like dang she answered all my questions was that something when you were writing it were you like okay these are the questions people ask me all the time I'm just gonna just answer them yes actually because I I do get a lot of the same questions over and over again which totally makes sense because I think we're all curious about a a lot of the same facets of the paranormal Mm -hmm. but um it's nice to now have a book because when people ask me, I can just be like, here's my book. Oh my God, totally. <laughs> that's <a> seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, no, that's a great thing. And you certainly did. Um, you certainly brought it with this book. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's been really incredible, honestly. <laughs> like yeah. It's just, it's transcending the paranormal. People are reading it who didn't even have an interest in ghosts to begin with, which I loved. That is so good. And you know, this podcast, we often have on, we, we actually kind of rarely have on paranormal professionals. It's a lot of me talking to celebrities, drag queens, people that have had, you know, maybe one or two experiences. And so a lot of our listeners are people that are curious about this stuff, but not necessarily, um, you know, professionals themselves or or ghost uh hunters or paranormal investigators themselves so i really appreciate the way you wrote it because i think it i think you do a great job at explaining things rather than you know being sometimes it's a little it's a little insidery and you're like wait i don't even know what that piece of equipment is but you you really uh explain it well, thanks. I tried to do that, but I also tried to just talk about how weird my life has been. So it's like part <laughs> memoir, part, you know, how to part like ghost stories interspersed in the middle of it all. So it was like, I was mm-hmm. like, I just want to try to appeal to everyone. So- totally. Well, and then I, as I was reading it, I was like, this seems so current. And then I get to the end and I'm like, she wrote this during the pandemic. Uh, yeah. How did you, how did you do that? <laughs> well, you know how like when the pandemic first started like 50 years ago? When- <laughs> <laughs> right. Is it 50 years ago, three weeks ago? Who knows? Yeah. Um, everyone was like, use this time at home to do something you've always wanted to do. You know, mm-hmm. take up artistry or write a book. And I was like, I 
guess I'll write a book. <laughs> so um, it was in the very early months of it. Uh, and so it was just, it was very strange to publish something during that time, knowing people were going to be reading it months and months later. And when I wrote that last chapter, um, I really had no, I, I, I couldn't even comprehend the idea that we would still be doing this right October let alone December or January so um so yeah it's interesting to read back through it it was very emotional um but yeah so yeah we did we wrote it during the pandemic well and then I also I know from social media that you guys did another season of Kindred Spirits so you have really been busy this pandemic I really have and it's so um Adam and I were talking about that recently how we have kind of a different perspective because we have so many friends who like haven't left their homes and things understandably of course but like we have been out working and traveling um we've done a couple guest appearances on other discovery shows during all this and so life has changed for us but we're still very busy <laughs> and so it's like i feel like i had a different pandemic than a lot of people <laughs> right but i imagine that even your job is different now are you guys uh oh, has has it limited you know where you can go or or how you do your process? Yeah, absolutely. So there's not as much flying um, just because we have, you know, the whole crew to think about. Um, and there were, you know, a few COVID tests here and there, uh, daily temperature screen. So a lot of our like season five of Kindred, almost all of it is filmed on the East Coast, anywhere we could drive to, uh, which actually was nice because that enabled me to spend more time at home with my daughter or bring her along here and there. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And so that was nice. But um, but yeah, so that was really the biggest thing was we weren't just like flying all over the country and everything. And, you know, obviously like the obvious stuff, like we wore masks in between takes, um, you know, we were just very clean and particular and, you know, I'm already a total germaphobe. So I was like, yes, finally, <laughs> the crew's on board with me. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, it changed a bit, but it was also like a very welcome bit of normalcy because it was just like old times. We got back together and, you know, and it was, it was really nice to see everybody again. Like we love our crew and they, a lot of them have been with us since day one and so I felt like it was actually kind of like therapy for us I think oh that's so nice when ghosts don't care about social distance no, they didn't they, take the no, year off they didn't and they're not wearing masks <laughs> well you also I gather from reading um your book that I think that you're like you seem to be a go-getter like you seem to be someone that's like you take risks you go for it that's that's what I gathered from a lot of your story. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, you know, I think I'm one of those people that if I have an idea, I'm just going to try to do it. And mm -hmm. and like I have so many friends who come to me and they'll tell me like this really awesome idea and then they don't do it. And I'm like, "Just do it." Just what the what's the worst thing that could happen? <laughs> and so yeah. that's kind of how I've been. Like and there's definitely things I've tried that did not work out, but um but I just feel like, you know, we're very fortunate to have the platforms that we do and the audience that we do and anything I can do um, that I enjoy, but that also like kind of maintains the integrity of the paranormal field in some way, which mm -hmm. is hard to do sometimes. Um, I'm going to take that. So, yeah, it is. It, it's um, I want to be able to do this and make my living um, in ghosts and the paranormal for as long as I can, because I enjoy it so much. Um, so I, 
I always feel like there's going to be like a day where, uh, you know, I'm not doing this anymore. Maybe I'll just go back to being a project manager or something. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but for now, I'm just going to keep on, you know, trucking and see what happens with this. Well, so much of that, I think, is making your own opportunities for yourself. You know, I think that for anyone, um, you know, being a paranormal investigator, for example, you you have to figure out you know, do I write a book? Do I make a travel company? Like you, you have to, you have to seek those things out for yourself, which you've obviously done. Sorry, I'm just over yeah, here like singing your praises. Such a fan. All facets of life, though, right? Like totally. Anyone in any business, like or any venture, just think outside the box. Look at what other people are doing, and go, can I do that better or differently? <laughs> you know, what's what's working, what's not, and uh, and so it's. I think that's important. Totally. Uh, yeah. Well, so let's talk about some of the book. And, um, you know, I love the autobiog- autobiographical aspect of it. And so I'm reading it. And so you've been into this stuff since you were a kid. And it seems like even in your personal life to this day, you have had so many experiences. Do you think that you're like a, a ghost magnet or a sensitive or anything like that? Um, I think that I keep putting myself in situations where there's ghosts. You know, I think that I started out kind of accidentally into it because of the like haunted houses and, and that we lived in when I was growing up. Um, but then after that, I just kept pursuing it. And if I heard a place was haunted or if I wanted to explore a place, I would put myself there. And so of course I probably have more paranormal experiences than most people. Um, and so I think that's, that's what it is. One of anything is I don't consider myself sensitive per se, but, um, I do think like chip coffee has like rubbed off on me a little bit. Like, yeah. like you know, you can't hang out with him all the time and not like kind of learn a little something. So he, um, he always tells me that I'm way more sensitive than I let myself be. But, you know, I just, I think I can tell when there's something around, but I don't necessarily think that I attract stuff. I just, you know, you can only go out. Like I always tell people, people ask me all the time, how come you've had so many experiences when I haven't had any? And I'm like, well, it's like being struck by lightning. Like a normal person isn't going to be struck by lightning. But if you walk in the middle of a golf course during a lightning storm and hold a, you know, golf club up, odds are you're going to get struck by lightning. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and then like reading your book, so you grew up in this super haunted house that it's like, I mean, I was, it's crazy, the history. I mean, there was a World War II ghost. There was an old lady ghost. There was a child ghost. I mean, are there, do you think that there are places that seem to attract death or ghosts? Well, what was strange about the house was that we were able to confirm all of those deaths because uh, we were renting that home back then. And um, the people who we were renting from, they had, I think they had built the house or they, they were older, like they were elderly and they had lived there for a very long time. And, um, and so they remembered all of these people. <laughs> and so they knew exactly. So that was what the, the strange thing was, was there had been like multiple generations of family members there and they were able to identify each of these ghosts. So I, I think that I think it was a different time. Like people weren't moving around as much per se. Uh, and I think that, you know, I think we were like the first family to move into that house um, other than them. 
because uh, I remember we rented it directly from them. I hadn't really thought about that until now, actually. Um, and so that might be why it was so active for us, because those spirits might be might have been like, where did our family go? Oh, so because did, did those people have any you know insight? Did they tell you guys just so you know there's ghosts here or they just didn't experience it? They did not experience that I know of, but we never like directly asked them. We got a lot of our information from their friends and like the neighbors, people who knew them. Because when, as soon as we took that ghost photo to our neighbor who was a photographer, like word kind of spread like wildfire that our house was haunted. <laughs> and then, um, but I, for people who don't know, I took a really crazy ghost photo when I was a kid. Um, and we, our neighbor was a photographer. And so we took it over to her to see if it was explainable. And she recognized the person in the photo as someone who had lived there and had passed away there. And um, so once word got out about that, everyone started kind of telling us, like filling us in on the family history of the people who lived there before. Uh, and so we moved in, obviously, whole new family, uh, a bunch of kids and stuff. And it started being very active. But then after we moved out, my great aunt actually rented the house after we moved out. and she. Claim, she's passed away now, but she claimed that nothing ever happened there for her. Like mm. It was quiet. So. so have you talked to anyone since, or do you know what's going on with it now? I don't. I drive by it here and there, because it's in California. My my grandma now lives, well, not now, she's always lived there. My grandma lives like three blocks away from it. So I always drive by and take a look, and it looks mostly the same. And I always wonder, like, what's going on in there? So I we were really hoping um, to maybe film there and, like, to like knock on the door and go hi. Oh my god, that would be iconic. <laughs> um, so obviously we can't do that this season, but maybe like next season, uh, if when we're like traveling like that again, I think that is my place. When people ask me where would you like to investigate, I'm always like my childhood home. I want to go back to my childhood home. <laughs> like, totally. Yeah. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, honey. And June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens. And don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the Detective Club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but Watch out. You never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed. But will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. 
you know, I, I'm always so curious about like with the paranormal, it seems like people, a lot of people, you know, have their focuses. This, this show, we focus on ghosts, but I like to, I like to hear about this other stuff. And so, you know, are you, do you consider, you know, incorporating UFO experiences to, I don't know, kindred spirits or other projects or anything like that? I mean, I think we would. The reality is that some of these interviews we do with witnesses and people, it's kind of their perception of the experience because a lot of a lot of the UFO experiences or alien abduction experiences we hear very much mirror ghost stories that we hear too. And so it's almost like kind of in the eye of the beholder. Like if someone's more apt to believe in aliens, they may think they had an alien encounter versus someone who believes more in ghosts might think they had a spirit encounter. Uh, And so I do think a lot of these can be tied together. There's a lot of uh, parallels between all of these experiences. So uh, I'm sure at some point that will happen. I know there have been a few cases over the years where we've explored the idea of, you know, extraterrestrials being involved. I frankly am terrified of the idea of aliens. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, completely. Like I, um, I mean, I think it's because like ghosts, uh, you know, I, I know that, that they potentially exist. I have a lot of theories as to what they could be, but I just think that aliens 100 percent exist like there's no way there is not life somewhere else out there and so it's just strange especially with now like there's so many things coming out about you know what pilots have seen what military pilots have seen things like coming out of the ocean like it's all like getting declassified and it's it's scary if you really start digging into it (laughs) Yeah, well, and and not only are uh, they intelligent in the sense that they, you know, can, they have minds that work, but they're intelligent, like they're smart, like they're clearly smart, I would guess. And that, that's kind of scary, too. Like, they're capable of so much. (laughs) I assume. If they got here, they're definitely smarter than us. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Um, well, okay. Let's talk. Um, I want to go back to, um, so when you're younger, so your dad clears houses. That was something that he did kind of secretly. Um, I don't, it wasn't like something that he like advertised. It was like kind of a word of mouth thing that he would go into houses and, make the ghosts go away. And he's to this day, never explained this to me. I think this is the time where I'm going to be like, dad, you need to tell me because now everyone wants to know. (laughs) Totally. But so do you think that he still clears houses or like, do you think he would? I don't think so. No, I don't. I think he would, but I don't think he does anymore. And I just want to know what he did because it really worked. And so like there was, there's an example I cite in the book where he, he just stayed in this house overnight by himself and um, whatever he did, like they were so incredibly thankful and it was empty. Like it had a series of tenants. They'd been trying to rent it out and just bad things kept happening and people kept saying the place was super haunted. And, um, and I had a really strange experience there and he stayed there by himself, brought his sleeping bag and his book and his lantern and just camped out and, solve the problem so i don't know what he did or does so i'll report back if I yeah for the holidays well because i was uh i was very interested in the chapter about 
crossing people over and your thoughts on crossing people over, which I was like, oh, this is like kind of controversial because I feel like there are certainly investigators or um, mediums or, or, or whoever that that has different opinions on that. Can you explain um, like where you are with that? Yeah, so it, I have worked with so many psychics and mediums over the years and, and watched them um, cross things over. And I say that with like air quotes. Um, and, and then I would be called back to the same location or I would reinvestigate the same location and the spirits that they claimed to cross over would very much still be there. And, and so it's hard for me because I do have psychics that come up to me and they're like, you're wrong. I know because I'm a psychic and I'm like, but I, I, I don't, like, I can't ever get into their head. You know what I mean? So it's like, mm-hmm. it's very difficult. But for me, it just started dawning on me that it was kind of dismissive. Like if you have a spirit reaching out to you repeatedly, really needing something or, or trying to send a message or, 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 you know, trying to make themselves known, if your answer to that is, let me call someone in who can smudge you out of here, or let me like, you know, bring in a priest, or um, not only did I, I started feeling like that was, like I said, dismissive, but also kind of, you know, ignoring what they want, it also tends to aggravate them because they are feeling like they're not getting through. Like they, if you think about them, they're in the room with you. (laughs) So it's like, it's basically like you have someone in your house and right in front of them, you're like, I... I really would like it if they would leave. What do you all think? You know, like, Mm -hmm. um, so they start, they get more active sometimes from it. And so if you actually kind of, um, if you actually try to figure out the why and actively investigate, actively research the scenario, really dig into what's going on. Uh, if you can find some sort of answer who they are, why they're there, that to me, um, has provided a lot more relief to some of these more extreme hauntings. Like once we've been able to figure that out, the spirit either moves on or, or stops trying to get your attention. Like I just, I will never, it's hard for me when people claim to know exactly what a spirit wants when we don't even know that they exist for sure, (laughs) you know? And so, um, so I can just, I can only operate in what is tangible to me, which is research and facts and evidence and putting it all together and presenting it, you know, or helping these spirits. And, you know, people, skeptics come to me all the time and they're like, you know, well, what if you're wrong? And I'm like, so if I'm wrong, I'm some crazy lady talking to no one in the dark. (laughs) That's fine. But I'd rather be doing this and be wrong than be right in ignoring these spirits and their needs, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so do you find that there's, um, some spirits that are like, you know what, I'm actually good. Like I like this gig as a ghost and I'm just going to keep this going on and I'm not going to like change anything about me. Yes. But those don't tend to be the spirits that are like traumatizing families, (laughs) you know? Um, yeah, it's usually the spirits that are usually like super active and really trying to get your attention. They're either, like a not nice ghost, which, you know, people like to call those demons a lot. But if you think about it, if someone's a jerk when they're alive, they're not going to stop being a jerk just because they died. And so sometimes you just have mean ghosts, um, Mm -hmm. which is rare. 
but it happens. But then there's also people that, again, they just, they're desperate to fix something or they're desperate for help or they're confused. And so they are super active. They are trying to get your attention. And so those are the ones we get called in for the most. Um, I think they can become chill spirits once they get the help that they're looking for but um but those aren't the ones we get the calls on i think a lot of people know though when they have uh you know a ghost in their house that just kind of is cohabiting with or cohabitating with them but not really causing a stir like they'll get a little glimpse of them here and there um but yeah it's the extreme ones we get the calls for i was thinking as i was reading your book a theory I'm developing. Now, I might not be the first person to ever think about this, but I was thinking your thoughts on this. Okay. Uh, Obviously, in generations past, there's been more stigma um, in society about, you know, self-help, therapy, talking, expressing your feelings. Do you think that that has anything to do with why some ghosts of generations past, or even now, um, you know, are stuck? that they, you know, they don't, they never, they never uh, confronted that whole issue of, you know, my, I lost my love and now I'm wandering looking for my love or whatever they, where maybe they could have, you know, dealt with that in life. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think that, I think that I also think that that's why we're looking at it differently now. You know, I think now we're, we're like this generation of coping and, uh, and approaching our feelings with empathy and like realizing that we're only human. Uh, and so I think that's why so many people are kind of getting behind this idea of looking at spirits, um, you know, whether they're real or not, but looking at them as like, Hey, ghosts are people too, like re- kind of relating to them in a way. Um, so yeah, it definitely depends on like, we can tell, not tell, but, but when you're dealing with a ghost from a different generation or a different time period, um, the interaction is different. The EVPs we get are different. And, and so, you know, whether or not they're welcoming of, of our ghost therapy, as we call it, it's <laughs> one thing. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think that definitely has changed a, a lot of the way we look at this and also um, maybe is affecting whether or not we're going to be left behind as ghosts. <laughs> yeah. Cause and that's what I appreciate about your approach and with kindred spirits is um, you definitely seem to be interested in helping people living past. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, which is, it's interesting because I think people get into the paranormal for many different reasons. I think a lot of people are drawn to it because of, the horror aspect of it, but that doesn't seem to be the case for you. Right. Right. I mean, initially it definitely was like when I was, you know, a a teenager, you know, breaking into abandoned buildings in Sonoma County looking for Mm -hmm. like, which I do not condone by the way. Um, I was, that was when I was looking for the thrill and for the novelty. And even old as I was older and, and, you know, going into places like Waverly Hills, um, for the weekend and stuff, I, I, at that point, was looking for the novelty, but then there were a number of turning points for me where I started kind of putting myself in their shoes, and just, you know, there was an EVP I got at Waverly Hills once, and it was like the first time where I went, oh, this is kind of like, I'm looking at this like 
it's fun and it's a thrill, but there could very well be someone on the other end of this who's very lost and confused. And, and so this EVP, I, I was walking by this row of like uh, patient rooms and I was alone. Like I, I was with a group, but some of the people were down at the other end and I just decided to walk by myself. And I told myself, I was going to wait to see if I got a feeling from a room, you know? And so I walked into this room that felt a little different and I did a little EVP session all by myself. Right. And then I went home, like I flew home to California and then I was like, Oh, I have all this audio to go through. And I played back that EVP session in that room that was by myself or in that room where I was by myself. And I play back this session. I'm like, hello, is there anybody here? And I hear this woman's whisper very clearly say, where did I go? <sighs> and I had this wave of like, oh my God, that's a really great EVP. And then this moment of like, oh my God, she was talking to me and I just left. And I'm just like listening to this now in California, like, you know, <laughs> days later, and this person opened up to me, <laughs> you know, alone in the dark and she's still there and I'm here. Like, and it was just this moment of what am I doing? Like this, this can't be a joke. Cause I mean, no one was in that room with me and I've gotten many EVPs over the years, but it was just, that was one of those profound moments where I was like, okay, we got to We've got to help in some way, <laughs> you know? So are there ghosts that are, you know, suffering and, and, they're a ghost for a, a sad reason, but can they turn into a happy ghost and remain a ghost and not be sad? I would imagine so. I mean, it, it's funny. We've we've seen one of the, the strangest like encounters we've had is when we find the ghosts of children that are actually the ghosts of people who died as adults or, or in later time, you know, as, or like elderly <laughs> and came back as children because that was the happiest time in their life. And that's wow. my theory anyway. Wow. Um, and so like I investigated a place called uh, Beardsley Castle and they have this little redheaded ghost that like runs around. Um, and we basically, figured out like it was one one of the people like this was years ago so my my facts could very well not be straight on this but basically it was someone who had who'd grown up there and went there every summer or whatever and then she um basically came back as a child because that was when she enjoyed it most now people think that uh when we were talking about like these little kid goes that people say that that's like the scare the scariest kind of ghost is a child to them you know and what do you think about that i mean i don't know what are, what are your thoughts on that that's a very hard one for me and i when people come because there was a big like internet thing for a moment that said that you know there was this idea of like children ghosts were all demons <laughs> and what i was like yeah there it, it was a, and there are a lot of people like when I talk about this I people still come to me online and they'll be like you were fooled by that ghost of a child they're actually a demon trying to possess you I always say if I'm gonna be wrong on something if, if I if I'm like I'm not gonna risk being wrong on that one you know if, if the ghost of a child comes to me and wants to communicate I am going to communicate with them freely because um, that's, that's one where you, you know, if, if you have this lost little soul out there, 
can you imagine that child and having people declare that it's a demon if it's actually not a demon? <laughs> so, uh. um, yeah, so I'm always, whenever we get any evidence that suggests there's a, the spirit of a child there or something, I'm always, you know, very welcoming and, and you know, maternal and, um, you know, and if, if one's a demon and I'm, I make a mistake and get possessed, well, it was all, you know, well, and <laughs> I did my best. <laughs> well, you haven't been possessed yet, right? I haven't. It's a miracle. <laughs> Well, because I'm sure that that's another thing that people ask you all the time that you speak on in the book is, is something following you home? I mean, that's, that's always my first thought when I talk to paranormal investigators is, how do you not have something follow you? So you say in the book that, um, which I thought was wonderful, you said that you're enough. And um, can you explain that? Yeah. So people often ask, uh, you know, what, what can I do to protect myself on an investigation? And a lot of people like to, you know, say a prayer before the interest phase. So they have like a special religious medal or a crystal or something that they feel is giving them some sort of protection. And that's totally fine. And I get that. Uh, for me though, I just, I like to feel like I am enough to protect myself because say that I walk into a place and I forget that, or I forget to say the prayer, I forget my crystal. Suddenly I feel weaker. Like mm -hmm. in that instant I go, Oh God, I forgot to do this. And I have put myself in a space that makes me more vulnerable. So I encourage people when they're going into a haunted location to just like pump themselves up and go, I don't, I am enough. And I mean, that really goes for a lot of things in life, but just, Make sure when you're going into a space, you're going in there, you know, sound mind that you're, you know, in a, in a good place um, and, and just conquer it. But, you know, I, I've definitely had things follow me home a couple of times, um, notably the ghost of a child um, when I was pregnant and investigating. Uh, and then once something from Waverly Hills uh, followed me back to my hotel room. Uh, and, but now I've kind of learned to recognize when that's going to happen, like I can tell when we've put like struck up a strong dialogue or the activity is really strong and it's very anxious and really eager to communicate. Uh, I usually say at the end, like, Hey, listen, stay here. Um, you know, I, I, we're going to do everything we can to help you, but you know, you're not, you're not welcome to follow me at this point. Like I, I just set that out there um, and just let them know that like, everything's fine, but just, you know, stay here where you like, but don't come with me. <laughs> so that's worked. Uh, I haven't had any spirits that decided they were not going to follow that ask, but. Oh, see, that's the part that scares me so much. It's like when you're off the clock, like do not, <laughs> but well, so when you're filming and you go back to your hotel, is there a, a certain thing that you do to unwind? You know, like I was talking to Katrina Weidman and she was telling me about um, she loves to watch Golden Girls. I mean, do you have something like that that helps you to take your mind off of it when you're in these investigations? Or? I do. <laughs> yeah. So Adam and I, we always, because it's like getting off work. Like you don't just shut off right away. Like, you know, you're getting off work at like three in the morning and you're not just, you don't just go back to the hotel and go to sleep. It, Cause you have that like minute where you need to kind of 
digest everything. And so Adam and I always, we get in our comfy clothes and we meet up in one of the other's hotel room. We pour a glass of wine and we just like talk about everything that happened, talk about what we're going to do the next day, um, talk about gossip and life and whatever. And then slumber party. We basically do. We have a slumber party (laughs) and then, uh, and then we go about our night, but it's like, we, that ritual is really important to us. And sometimes we do it in the lobby too, like, and sometimes the crew will join us or whatever, but there's always that kind of like decompression moment. Uh, and it's, it's hugely important. I feel like, um, there have been a few times where we haven't been able to do it and I can always tell the difference. Mainly I get more sleep, but I don't feel as good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I imagine. Well, you know, something else in the book that I really liked, and, and I I think it's so great that you have Adam, and, and again, it sounds like you guys are so much fun together and and so so great as a team, but I really appreciated that you quoted other people in the paranormal field, and it seems like you found this great tribe of, of like-minded investigators. I mean, is that, what do you, what do you look for in those people? It just, it's just a kind of meshing of ideas that happens. And like this, this group, like we all just very naturally gravitated to each other. We all have the, the same interests. Um, a lot of our ideas were very different, but then we kind of formed new ideas together. Uh, and they're just like, they're like family to me. And so I don't necessarily seek out people. I just, the right ones just kind of fall in my lap, you know, and, and, um, that's really what happens with, um, this particular group. And that's why it was really important for me to not have my book, just be me talking at people, you know, telling them how to do things. And I really, because so many of my ideas kind of came from like a group effort, it was important for me to quote all of these people uh, who are dear friends of mine. So that kind of just like back up my ideas, but also like show people that this is where these theories came from or that there are other theories to explore besides the ones that I have. Um, And it's just like, it's such a great group of voices. And um, it's also nice because like if anyone wasn't familiar with their work before, they can go seek them out because they're all just like intensely interesting people. Totally. Well, can we talk about the next season of Kindred Spirits? Yes, of course. (laughs) So it's coming out like you're coming in hot. Like, what is it? The second day of January? That's January 2nd, because, you know, 2021 is when everything gets better. So we better start with us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, is there like, you know, is there anything you can tell us at this point about the next season? Uh, let's see. Uh, I can tell you that the season premiere, uh, takes place at the Proctor house in Salem, Massachusetts, uh, which is the John Proctor house, which, so we had done, um, a special with travel channel. I think it was last year. So it must've been 2018 or 2019. I can't remember. Um, And we had uh, like this live special where we investigated all these different locations in Salem and Adam and I were in the Proctor house. And so on live television, we had all of these crazy experiences happen, including Dana Newkirk, Greg and Dana Newkirk are heavily featured in the book. And she is a hedge witch and she was doing a tarot reading and twice in a row, she pulled the devil card on live television. (laughs) And we had done this big experiment with a sigil 
where we had people kind of focus on the intention of the sigil and people were reporting that like paranormal activity was happening in their houses because of what we were doing and they were watching. <laughs> so it was crazy. And so we had to get back there. So we went back. Uh, that's where the season premiere is and the craziest stuff happened and I cannot wait for people to see it. So, um, yeah, this was one of those instances where I think that just us going in there, we kind of opened like up some sort of activity because the craziest stuff was happening. And then I remember just kind of having to fall back on Dana and her expertise because, you know, we're dealing with the witch trials and, so like I find myself like going from being a ghost hunter like to literally like seeking out the grave of John Proctor like <laughs> that's supposedly on the local high school and I'm sneaking in there trying to dig up some grave dirt for the ceremony she needs to do. And so it's a whole different world, uh, but it was so much fun. Well, that's what I love is that you guys are definitely like, again, taking risks, doing lots of different experiments. And you know, I know that whenever you're doing things like that, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. I mean, are there things that you're, you're working on, you know, maybe you've tried before and, and it hasn't quite gotten you what you wanted as a result. And, you know, is there anything like that? Oh yeah. So we're always, one of the nice things about like paranormal television for us is that I think it kind of forces us to think outside the box a lot because even though obviously we're trying to get results for the people we're trying to help and the spirits we're trying to help, you know, we also don't want viewers to be watching the same thing every week. And so we're always trying to think of like crazy experiments to try and crazy history to dig into. And I think honestly that that has challenged us enough to come up with some ideas we would never have thought of just investigating in a normal sense. Um, but that also means we've also tried a lot of things that were duds. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I think that, I think that you'll, you'll kind of see, I think there's a few on the season this year, but you no, know, we're always, we're always trying weird different experiments, well, usually at the last minute, much to the chagrin of our crew. <laughs> one of the things that you guys do that, um, I think is so great is the Estes method. And mm -hmm. we talk about EVPs on the show all the time, but I, it's never come up on the show. Can you kind of like explain what's going on there? Yeah. So it's one of my favorite things in the world, honestly. So um, basically the idea is someone came up with the idea of the spirit box. So the spirit box is um, Frank Sumption actually came up with it, but um, if anybody wants to look him up, it started out as the Frank's box. Now it's the spirit box in its current incarnation. But the idea is that it is this basically a radio that sweeps through the AM and FM frequencies. And so you're listening to it. And it's just kind of going and uh, it creates a white noise that many people believe spirits can kind of manipulate and make words out of. And so when you're listening to it just out in the open with a speaker on it, there's this, everyone kind of looks at each other and they're like, did that just say that? Yeah, I think that said that. And you're kind of influenced by the people and the surroundings and the questions that are being asked. And so uh, our friends, Carl and Connor, um, who worked at the Stanley Hotel for a time, they basically came up with this idea where, what if you listened to the spirit box with like noise canceling headphones and blindfolded yourself and then had someone else ask questions. And then you just, whatever you're saying or whatever you're hearing, you just say. So 
You have no idea what questions are being asked. You don't see anybody, so you can't see the expressions on their faces and like read the reactions. You're just saying whatever the heck comes through those headphones. And the, re the results have been re very remarkable. <laughs> like, you know, you're having entire conversations with these spirits. And, um, and so we do that a lot on Kindred. And we play around with it too, where we'll go into like different rooms and do it, or we'll use a walkie-talkie to ask the questions, or we'll have two people doing the, the Estes method at once, uh, you know. And so it's, and there's a really powerful session in that first uh, episode of Kindred too of season five that's uh, Dana and I are both listening and Greg and Adam are asking the questions and it's crazy. Yeah, it seems to be very effective. And I love when you guys are like, you do that kind of a thing, you get like a name or something, and then you go off and you research and then you find out like who that person is. And then you kind of put the whole puzzle together. That's, that's when it's, that's, those are my favorite moments of, um, of like Kindred Spirits. Oh, so good. Those are our favorite moments. That's what we strive for. We strive to like, that's our trifecta. We want evidence and research uh, and personal experiences all to come together to match something um, that's huge. And then if Chip Coffee verifies it too, that's like the icing on the cake. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're like research queen. I mean, is there, so let's say somebody thinks they have a ghost in their house. Like what do you recommend someone does? I always say, well, it, I mean, it depends on if they want to investigate it or if they want to like get into the history. Like as far as homes go, the best way to get into the history first is to pull your deed records. Uh, and some of them go way, way back. And even pulling the records back to like just the landowners before. And that will give you a list of names of people who owned the land previously or owned the house previously. And then you take those names and you dig into like newspaper archives online and start just, re you know, researching them, see if something terrible happened to any of them or like, you know, and, and, and use those names to do EVP work. If you want to ask questions, things like that, but that's really just like the very beginning, but it's a really good start because like names uh, are some of like the, the best tools you can have when you're trying to reach out to a spirit because it shows them that you, you know, you know who they are. Yeah. Well, and you know, I think that there's the story that you mentioned about the, the conjuring house, you know, where the parents lived and there was, you know, people completely got things wrong about this woman and it's kind of become folklore, or, you know, associated with the house that there's this woman um, what was her name? Beth, Beth C. Sheba, yeah. Um, and they completely didn't do the research and that's not accurate. I mean, do you think that, um, how do you feel about horror movies in terms of paranormal? Do you think that, does it harm what you do or, or give people the, the wrong idea a lot of the time? I mean, I loved The Conjuring. That was a great movie. And I know, I, I, I really I, like it too. <laughs> it's so good. And I think that, I think those movies are so fun, but I think it's just like, it's any, it's like any movie, like anything you watch, there is a Hollywood like dramatization happening. And so you just have to be aware of that. And honestly, what we do can be so much scarier than what you see in movies, because it really does make you question, you know, what happens after we die? You know, it's, it makes you think about some really deep stuff sometimes. And so I think that like the movies are like fun, but then when you actually start kind of playing in it, it's a very different world. And so 
But I do think it's really important we get research right. And I don't think the Warrens did anything wrong per se. I don't think they had the tools that we have now. Like we're so lucky to have all of these records archived and available to us electronically. So like even in the middle of a pandemic, I can find out everything I need to know. Um, but you know, we do have to think about the fact that, you know, like Bathsheba Sherman, she's kind of like become the poster child for what can happen when you do get it wrong. You know, she can't even have her gravestone up in the cemetery. It gets vandalized constantly. And so the historical society had to remove it and they put it in an undisclosed location. And um, that's sad. You know, this was a woman who just kind of lived out her days. She was a family person, had kids and a husband. They lived on a farm. But at some point, hundreds of years later, someone declared that she was a witch who killed babies, <laughs> and um, none of which was verified. Uh, and the historical society fights it to this day. And so it was really like when we had that episode come out, we actually invited the historical society to come watch it with us at the house um, because we just really wanted to stress to them that it was important for us to get that story right. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I was reading in that part, like the the woman or person that used to own the house was like yelling at you guys. Oh yeah, she showed up in the driveway. I mean, I, I'm sure she's well. I mean, I think her life got turned upside down when that movie came out. And so she was just like angry, but you know, she did go on Ghost Hunters and say her house was haunted and have the team investigate. And so at that point, you can't show up to the house years later and declare it that nothing ever happened to you there. You know? yeah. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, she showed up in the driveway just screaming at us. And, um, and so what happened was Chip Coffee was just pulling up to do his reading. And when we bring Chip Coffee in, we bring him in completely cold, meaning that he has no idea where we're going. He just knows like he gets like to the hotel and then we have him meet a crew member at like a local Walmart or something. And then they drive him over. Like he has no idea where he's going. And so this was the case for the conjuring house. And so he pulls up to the house and we're filming that scene. And that woman showed up right then and just started screaming at everybody. Clearly gave away our location to Chip because <laughs> he really didn't know. And so you'll notice when we are filming that first scene, I go, well, Chip, clearly you know where we are. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like the cat's out of the bag. And I just was like, I'm sure you recognize this place because it was like, well, we can't, you know, we can't go in and pretend this is a cold reading because it's, it's not. <laughs> but he did seem pretty shocked that you guys had the original parent family members uh, there, which was so cool. Well, so with the Warrens and, you know, in the 70s, and you mentioned Sylvia Brown and, and then Ghost Hunters, which of course you were involved with, where do you see, you know, the paranormal going at this point? You know, I, I'm not sure. I feel like people are now starting to look at spirits as less of a novelty and more of like a, a human, uh, like a human entity. And so historically after like major uh you know events or or disasters uh the interest in the paranormal rises considerably like you know after the civil war especially that gave birth to a lot of fraudulent mediums and spirit photographers and things because people had lost so many family members they were desperate for answers and um and so 
I'm, I wouldn't say that all, everything that happened then was not true, but a lot of it was. But what that, but at that point, people were desperately reaching out to their loved ones. It wasn't just fun for them. Like when they were doing these seances and things, they really wanted to get in touch with people who they had lost so tragically. And so I do predict that once this is all over, I think we are, you know, and already I'm seeing people are just very interested in the paranormal and the afterlife because we're being, you know, we were kind of blissfully unaware before, but now we're like being faced with our own mortality on a daily basis. You know, it's, it's, you know, we're, we're constantly living in fear of getting this virus and that, that weighs on you and it makes you start thinking about things. Um, and I think that that is, I think that people are going to, I think there is going to be a big, um, a big uh, rise in the interest of the paranormal, even before this is all over, just because people want answers and they're going to start trying to think outside the box and, and just, you know, try to figure out what happens next or, or where do things go next? Well, there also seems to, I mean, it's a sort of related, um, there, there seems to be a lot of people this year that have been like, oh, turns out my house is haunted now that I've been here for hours. So I don't know, maybe that could contribute as well to the interest. Yes. And so a lot of what I talk about in the book is how I do feel like a lot of our paranormal experiences come from us and our intentions and our energy. And so I do think that that rise in activity could be, and I talk about this a lot in the last chapter, could be just directly affiliated with people being stressed, like collectively stressed all over the world. And, um, and if anything, the spirits feeling that too, like they're like, what is going on? You know, like they sense a shift. And so maybe they're kind of waking up a bit too. Um, you know, there was one case we did this season and kind of unintentionally, like we didn't realize this happened, but the location we were at was the site of like a, a uh, field hospital for the Spanish flu. And they were having this uptick of activity and it, and it dawned on us like, well, obviously like suddenly these spirits are seeing everyone wearing masks again. And they're like, what is going on? You know? Oh. <laughs> yeah. So there's just little things like that. I think that are contributing to, a lot of experiences and people are just home more and they've never really stopped and listened to their house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, so what's going on with, um, strange escapes? Is there, is there going to be some events, uh, in 2021 planned? Yes. We're very hopeful. We're going to start announcing events again soon. Um, starting with the Mount Washington hotel in April, um, I, I loved think learning about that place in your book. I didn't know much about it, and it sounds so cool. I already would love it. I'm obsessed with it. Um, I go there whenever I can. And, uh, and so we'll go back there in April, hopefully. And uh, we have a cruise planned for late June. And, uh, you know, then we have just a lot of things like later in 2021, we're going to start announcing. And it's, you know, it's hard because none of this is predictable. Um, but Strange Escapes does need to get back to business. And so we're going to just do our best. And we, we were ready to have an event in Missouri. We had all of these COVID precautions in place. We had like on-site rapid testing, like we were ready. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then Missouri closed down events. <laughs> so, Can you explain to the listeners what, what that is? So Strange Escapes is basically a, a haunted travel company that I own. And the idea is that 
you go on a paranormal vacation, but we're not like going into abandoned prisons and stuff. Like it's usually at, um, like either like a kind of a resort town or a historical town or like a really like the Mount Washington Hotel, which is a big grand hotel from the early 1900s. Um, and it's a full weekend of like cocktail parties and lectures and actual like paranormal investigations. And uh, I try to like pair together all the things I love the most, which is um, you know, socializing, uh, weird people who think the same as me, looking mm -hmm. for ghosts, wine, parties. <laughs> like, so <laughs> we have like masquerade balls. We have, I mean, there's a lot that happens at them. And I, um, I used to be an event planner. And so this is just one of those things that it's kind of just using the skills that I had in my former normal life and putting them to use here. And they're so much fun. I, this year has been devastating for me in that regard. Like, I just miss them so much because they're all my, you know, we had so many regulars and all of my speakers. And so I just can't wait to get back out there. Well, when I think about scary things, um, you guys went to the Bermuda Triangle. That sounds like a whole nother level of terrifying to me. Were you scared of that? Uh, no, I wasn't. I was curious. We did have some really interesting experiences out there. But yeah, so we took a cruise through the Bermuda Triangle. And then we did all of these kind of intention experiments and things out on the deck as we were cruising through the Bermuda Triangle. And some weird stuff happened. There was one point where like, we're in the middle of the ocean. And thousands of dragonflies came out of nowhere and started like landing on people and landing on like the ship deck and stuff as we were doing this experiment. So I don't know, there's weird things going on out there. Yeah. And there's like no way that that could happen. I don't uh, think so. I mean, there might be some scientific, like I'm sure someone will come to me and, and tell me that, you know, maybe they migrate or something. I don't know. But at that moment it felt very magical. <laughs> so do you have an idea of what's going on out there? Or do you have any I ideas? <laughs> I don't. I mean, I was obsessed with it when I was a kid. I did a lot of reading on it. And I, I mean, there's a lot of theories that there's just some sort of kind of magnetism issue there that causes compasses and um, equipment to fail. And that's why so many like planes and, and ships and things have gone missing out there. Um, but then there's also all this new evidence that just came out from, uh, from the military about like things coming out of the ocean and stuff. So maybe there's some weird aliens out there. I don't know. <gasps> oh, you have to God. look that up if you haven't looked it up. It's terrifying, but. <laughs> well, thank you so much for doing this. I think we should wrap it up. You've been so generous with your time. Can you tell people, you know, where they can get the book and everything? Yeah. So the book is available anywhere books are sold. I know a lot of like local bookstores and stuff are sold out, but you should be able to order it through them. Otherwise it's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, and then just, I'm on social media all over the place at Amy Rooney and you can just kind of keep tabs on what we're doing. But yeah, uh, Kindred Spirits comes back January 2nd at 10, 9 central on Travel Channel. Well, I also, when I was reading the book, one more thing, I gathered that you might be, um, like a Disneyland or Disney haunted mansion fan. I caught a couple of little references. Am I right? Yes, I'm obsessed with Disney. We go to Disney <laughs> multiple times a year. It is, it is 
and, and I swore up and down when I had my child that she would never go to Disney because it was just like way too like consumerism and commercialized and I would never do such a thing. <laughs> and then I actually went there and I was like, oh, this is magical. I'm going to just like live this now. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I hope you get to do that soon. Are you the are you Disneyland or Disney World or where? I go to Worlds because I'm on the East Coast and it's just a two-hour flight. But we have been during the pandemic. We went in October and um, oh. it was very safe and it was very fun. I went with Adam actually and his husband and um, my friend Julie who helped me write the book and all of us went together and, and Charlotte, obviously my daughter. We had so much fun. Do, do you get vibes that it might be haunted? It has to be like I can't it imagine it not being haunted. I, I, you know, if you if you think about ghosts going back to the place where they were the happiest in their life, like how many people were at their absolute happiest at Disney World? Like so many. So, and people spread ashes in the haunted mansion all the time. Yes. Like it, there has to be ghosts there, and someday there will be someone from Disney World who hears me and hears my call and allows me to investigate it, even if I don't tell anybody, but it has to happen. Right. Well, I know they're, they're pretty uh, private about that kind of a thing. I did talk to somebody that was a former employee of the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland. They told me that they had uh, multiple experiences in there. She told me yes, that there was a little boy running around and, and they had closed down the ride and she was like, little boy, you gotta, you know, come. And then of course he disappears. Ooh. Yes. I, yeah. Disneyland is, there's a lot of stories at Disneyland too. I'll investigate there too. Like <laughs> I would love to get up into Walt's apartment, which is supposedly very haunted. Like there's, um, so my friend Julie, who wrote the book with me, she has written and she is actually the uh, Disney editor for the SF gate. And um, oh, wow. she has so many articles that come out about Disney, but also she writes a lot about paranormal Disney, especially around Halloween. She has got some stories to tell. Thank you, Amy Bruni. I, I apologize. I clearly am. I have like a paranormal crush on her. So especially the first like five ish minutes of that conversation, I'm just like, hitting on her and like a paranormal admiration kind of a way. <laughs> so sorry you had to witness that, but that was a great time. And if you want to hear more, go to patreon.com slash We have got a bonus clip. And this week we're talking about cryptid creatures. We're talking about UFOs. It's, it's fun. So um, go check that out. And, um, I so appreciate everyone that's on my Patreon. It's only $5 a month. Um, well the first tier is, and, um, it helps me out so much as I cannot work right now. Um, so thank you. And it's been so great connecting with people and being able to create content and I'm on that stereo app. So basically you just download stereo wherever you get your apps, look for me, Roz Jasvales, and then, um, you can check out my shows that I'm doing on there. And, um, you know, as always, check out the merch. I've got the link in my bio on Instagram. If you can't find it, send me an email at ghostedbyroz at gmail.com. I'll send you the link. Or, um, you know, also to that email address, you could send me ghost stories. You could um, send me suggestions of guests or anything fun that you want me to talk about. Please give me five stars on Apple Podcasts. I always appreciate it. And, um, 
you know, if you have a ghost story, you could leave it there, or you could just write something nice about me. You could join our Facebook group, Ghosted by Roz Dresfalaz, and follow me on Instagram at Roz Dresfalaz. Also, guess what next week is? Next week is the two-year anniversary of Ghosted. So, you know what? I got to... I, I should definitely do like a quote-unquote live show. So I will definitely be doing something like that next week on Stereo. So stay tuned for that. Um, and I love you, both living and dead. But if I didn't ask you to haunt me, don't haunt me. Okay, bye! Starbanes Audio, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.